You're listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast, recorded on Sundays in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our goal is to help you grow from root to fruit. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Welcome, everybody. If you don't know, I'm Pastor Dan, and uh, happy Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. So he has a call and response. If you don't know, if you're not in the club and you don't know, that's okay. I just give everybody a chance. So I'm going to say, he is risen, and you say back, he is risen indeed. Ready? He is risen. See, now everybody gets to do it. Absolutely. God is risen. It's a good day to be here. Uh, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 27. And those Bibles that are in the seats there, you can use those. It'll be on the screen as well if you have no idea where Matthew is or who Matthew is. Don't worry about it. Uh, we'll get there in a little bit. Um, if you don't have a Bible and you want one, please take one. Uh, again, we don't consider it stealing. It's our gift to you, so you can have one. Just make sure you don't take the hardcover ones that are in the seat backs. Those are not ours. We just rent this building from another church, and so those are theirs. Ours we put on the seats. That's why there are Bibles on the seats that you can know. Those are ours. You can have one if you want one. Um, it's one of my favorite days to be a pastor. Uh, not because I wear a tie. That's like my least favorite part of this. If all you ever come is Easter, you think, man, Dan's always dressed up. No, you probably just need to come on another Sunday. Like you come next week, I'll be in jeans. I just try and look nice once in a while, you know, look for the family pictures, you know, look nice, look decent. Um, but it's one of my favorite days as a pastor because, I mean, just look around. Like everybody comes at once. Isn't it great? Look around. Isn't it? Like, come on. Is this good? Does it feel good to be together? Come on. It feels good. I feel like that, you know, that mom who's like, you know, it's not a party until the whole family's there. You know, if somebody's missing, it doesn't count. You know, we need to get everybody together. So, like, Easter's like that day where, like, everybody's together. Now I feel better about myself. Um, You don't find the humor in that. I think it's funny. Um, I'm often asked, you know, how I decide to become a pastor. Like, how did you get into this gig anyway? Like, what made you want to be a pastor? And the reality is I didn't. Um, I grew up in a, in a home. My dad was a pastor, um, and uh, it was good. Like, I had no issues. I wasn't like the disgruntled pastor's kid who was like, I'm never doing that. It just wasn't for me. I didn't think that was, you know, what I wanted to do. Um, so I was, you know, trying to figure out my life at that time. And I said, you know, I don't feel like I just want to be a pastor just because my dad was, you know. So I'll just do what I enjoy doing. And some of you may not know this about myself, but I enjoy art. That was actually what the thing that was most appealing to me in high school. So I took every art class possible. I took drawing, one and two and three, and painting courses. And I took fine arts. And I took, believe it or not, I took pottery and sculpture. Yes, with the kick wheel. Some of you remember a kick wheel. Some of you know what that is. And then we moved up to the electric wheel. You know, and it was great. And I, I don't think I ever kept anything. Uh, I put lots of stuff in the kiln and never took anything out of the kiln. Um, graphic design, all sorts of stuff. Any art class I could. Actually, my senior year in high school, uh, none of you care, but my senior year in high school, I took uh, Spanish, English, so I had to. Um, I, I took a, like a history class. Um, I'm not sure if I took anything else. Um, no, I did take gym. Uh, I had three art classes and two lunches. Don't judge me. It was back-to-back lunches. I had an hour and a half. It was awesome. I went to Lawrence High. That was a different generation. Some of you, any, any Lawrence High alum? Any, any graduates? We got a few. All right, we got some. I'm telling you, it was, I just worked the system. I just lived in that art room and then took lunch. Like, that was life. Yeah, that's all you have to do to be a pastor, kids. That's the lesson, right? To get up, yep, yeah, that's, all, that's all it takes. Um, I loved art. Along the way, God redirected my path to ministry. That's a story for another day. But I loved art, and to this day, I continue to really enjoy 
and something about art captures my attention. This past week, my family and I had a chance to uh, head out with some friends to the Franklin Institute. There you go. And uh, we got to see um, the Marvel ex- exhibit. Anybody got a chance to see the Marvel exhibit yet? A few? Just, just John who went with us. It was actually John's idea. Oh, you went to Andrew too. Okay. Yeah, it was John, John's like, John's in the suit, actually. That's him right there. No. Um, we had a great time. It was pretty cool. You get to see all this stuff. I think the most fascinating thing for me was seeing the drawings on the wall. Like if you're walking through the exhibit, you, you actually see the original sketches from the artists of like the first Spider-Man and you know the first Wolverine and all these characters. And it's like, wow, that's pretty cool. You can see where they're like whiting out over parts. Like I didn't like the way I drew that foot, so I redraw it. It's like it's just really cool to see it go from this drawing to like a comic book cover. It's like, wow, it actually like made it to a comic book. And then then what they had there is it's pretty it's pretty cool if you haven't been. They actually have like. It went, you know, it got made into movies. You know, I'm sure most of you have seen Marvel movies now of some sort, if you see movies. Um, and uh, so they had the costumes there, like the actual ones worn in the movies. So, like, you know, it's like Black Panther. It's like actually the Black Panther costume, which close up, oh, that's impressive. Let me tell you, it's really cool. You know, that Doctor Strange's big thing there in the amulet. And it's like, oh, yeah. not a nerd, not a nerd. John's a bigger nerd. All right. But. It was still cool. And you're seeing all this stuff, and you're like, wow, you know, like Thor's hammer. It's like right there. Like, I took a picture of Groot. It's like Groot's head. I'm like, ah, I am Groot. So for the rest of the message, what you take away today is I am Groot. That's it. Just I am Groot. Um, It was just really, really cool. So you see this from drawing to comic book cover to actual movies now, and you've got characters. And then it really culminates. It totally comes full circle when you go in the gift shop. There's lunchboxes and... Mugs and T-shirts that you can buy and keychains with these things on it. But it's funny because somewhere along the way, that was just an idea in somebody's head. We drew it up in a, with a piece of paper and a pencil. And now some of you are probably wearing like Marvel underwear right now and you don't have to admit it. It's okay. Um, just interesting to me, the development of an idea and how it grows. It fascinates me. Art is the conscious use of skill and imagination to create something. Michelangelo said every block of stone has a statue inside it. And it is the task of the sculptor to discover it, right? You just start with this block and the sculptor's got to see something in the stone. I've never done that. I'm not good at that. Maybe some of you are sculptors. Hey, that's pretty cool. I would love to watch that happen. But art is about creating something new. That's what every musician does, right? You create something new. I believe there's something about art that connects us to God. There's a wonderful book by a guy named Erwin Raphael McManus. He's got a great name. It's an even better book. It's called The Artisan Soul. And in there he says this, to create is to reflect the image of God. To create is actually an act of worship. See, God was the first and the greatest artist. He's the creator, right? If you look around, we're surrounded by art that God has skillfully and expertly created. Think about the most beautiful sunset you've ever seen. Does any photo do it justice? Right? Can you, I mean, you could try and paint it, but there's nothing like the real thing. Right? Some, of, some people are posting right now from you know, Caribbean islands, sunsets, and you're like, I don't want to see it. You know? But there's something, like if you've actually seen it with your own eyes, it's absolutely amazing. We tried to do a sunrise this morning. It's a little cloudy, but we did see a moon set. I don't know if that's pretty cool. Like, it was, we're up so early, the moon was still up. Um, it was kind of cool. Think about maybe mountains. 
or oceans, or if you've watched planet Earth, if any of you go on Netflix and you watch the show, you know, it's just fascinating watching all of creation. Think about the fact that God made all that. I, we have a bird feeder in our backyard. It's nothing more, you know, probably lots of you have bird feeders. I actually like to watch the birds. It's actually a thing. They call them birders. Don't judge me, all right? I get it from my dad, all right? It's a, it's a thing, right? Some of you, I don't know if any of you like to watch birds, but I, I do. And it's actually interesting how many different types of birds there are and how many colors and all the different things. You see, we've been out to Arizona, and I actually, chart, when I was in India a few weeks ago, I, I actually, I'm like Googling birds of Calcutta. And so I'm on the lookout for all sorts of things like, what am I seeing here? What kinds of, like I'm seeing Robin magpies. I don't know what that is, but I saw them and they're really cool. Like you just see all these kind of, and you're sitting there going, man, God made all these different birds. God's made so many different things. It's, for some reason, we watched uh, Finding Nemo this week as a family again. I don't know, we were just like, we were like yes, it's Finding Nemo again. Yeah, sure, why not? It's been 20 years. Um, and just even as old as it is, just the colors and complexities of what's going on under the ocean. I mean, God is the original artist. You just start looking at all that stuff from turtles to anemones to sharks to, you know, seahorses, crustaceans. God is the greatest artist. You just can't deny it. The truth about art, though, that makes it complex. Here's the most interesting part. You ready? Is that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is not in the eye of the creator. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. That's what we say. Right? That's what we say. Every, ever see a piece of art and genuinely go, I don't get it. What am I looking at? Like, well, it's just like my two-year-old just went like that. Like, how is that art? And somebody is sitting there crying, and I'm like, I don't understand you. There's just splatter, like, how is that art? Or, you know, the... Some of you see the sculpture that's right out front of Rite Aid, right? That, that iron thing, and you're like, what, the, what is that? You know, you go around grounds for sculpture, and you're like, it's a giant tooth. I don't, I don't, I'm not emotionally moved by a tooth, but somebody is. Somebody's like, the tooth. Like, uh, art is so subjective, and what the artist sees may not be what others see. Throughout time, there are lots of famous works of art. This week, one of the most famous works of art was damaged. Notre Dame, right? You see that, and you're watching as this incredible cathedral, right? This gorgeous... How many of you, anybody actually ever seen it in person? Probably some of you have pictures, like, in front of Notre Dame, right? You've, you've been there. I've never actually been to Paris, never seen it in person, but watching the pictures, right? People are just moved because such a great piece of art was damaged, right? There's so many things that can be art. Architecture is art. Food is art. Donuts are art. Come on. Can I get an amen? Donuts are art, right? Songs are art. Theater can be art. Literature, film, dance. There's so many different mediums that we can call art. So many different things, right? Like you can call a baseball game art. A swing can be art, right? There's so many different ways that we, we, we consider things art. The pure volume, though, has resulted in an interesting development. See, in our world, now everything is art. Everything starts to become art. So what's happened is there's something risen. Something really interesting has risen to help us, to really help us. And it's called, it's called a critic. 
a critic is something that helps us. It's someone who judges the beauty and value of a thing, right? We got movie critics, right? Siskel and Ebert, right? We got famous Rotten Tomatoes. We got critics. They're going to tell us. They're going to tell us what we should watch. They're going to tell you, oh, this movie is no good. Oh, this movie you need to see, right? And then we've got awards to let us know which movies are worth seeing. Have you seen all the Oscar-worthy movies, right? If you can sort on Amazon Prime or Netflix by, you know, Oscar movies, right? It's, they're helping us because somewhere along the way, people lost the ability to evaluate art for themselves, to sit there and say, you know, that is something. So now we rely on professionals. Is this food or good? I don't know. Let's see. What does Yelp say? Is there, are the reviews good? What do the critics tell us? You know, listen, if you like Papa's, it doesn't matter what the critics say. And if you like DiLorenzo's, it doesn't matter what the critics say. You're going to make your decision based on. But we start to begin to listen to these things when you don't have a frame of reference. I don't know. Right. What should I wear? What should I buy? Let's see what the critics have to say. Somewhere along the way, we've lost that ability, so now we just rely on professionals. That's why Antiques Roadshow has like been around for 40 years, right? Do you know the difference between a $5 spoon and a $5,000 spoon? Because I don't. I'm looking at them going, I don't, I don't know. Like, oh, look at this piece of wood. And they're like, oh, my goodness. I'm like, it's a piece of wood. Apparently, it's a, it's a $25,000 piece of wood. Wow, it's a good thing he had the trained eye to see that. See, critics are people who know what something is worth. They have skilled eyes and senses and trained themselves. Some of you consider yourself connoisseurs, right? You, you, you have a, a, an informed palate. You can taste food and know, oh, this is good. You're a sommelier. You know, you've got all these things. You're just critics. You're, you're experts at these things. And, and you have developed an awareness of art. See, here's the problem, though. Sometimes critics can be wrong. They can be wrong. They can say, listen, I actually have, I've kind of got like a little bit of that ODD, the oppositional defiant disorder, you know, not really, but like a little bit because, you know, when somebody tells me that a movie is no good, I'm probably going to like it. Like I'm going to go see it for sure because they said it's no good. And when they tell me everybody's loving the movie, I'm not going to go see it. I'll wait till it comes out because I'm like, it can't be that good. Right. You just sort of, it's managing expectations there. But the problem is if critics can be wrong, but everybody listens to them, then what happens is that everybody follows the lead of those who are wrong, right? And it, and it leads somewhere dangerous. And that's actually what happened for Jesus, right? Before he's crucified, he's arrested without cause, put on trial by critics who couldn't see what he was, couldn't see what he was creating for them. He, they didn't understand the art. They didn't understand what he was doing. And so here's what they do. We read it in Matthew chapter 27. If you're there, it'll be on the screen as well, starting in verse 37. Here's what they do. It says a sign was fastened above Jesus' head, announcing the charge against him. And it read, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. It says two revolutionaries were crucified with him. And revolutionaries meaning criminals, those who revolted against the government, not necessarily like noble. Right. These are not not good dudes. One on his right and one on his left. The people passing by showered abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, which isn't exactly what he said. They just misunderstood what he said. Well, then, if you are the son of God, to hear that if, if you are the son of God. Right? It's like it's a, just throwing it out there. If you're the son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests, the teachers of religious law and the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he's the king of Israel, is he? 
Let him come down from the cross right now. We'll believe him. Come on, show us. Where's your stuff? What you got? He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I'm the son of God. He said it. Even the revolutionaries who were crucified with him ridiculed him in the same way. Listen, here is God giving his son to die for people, if you know the story. Giving his son to die for the very people killing him. And the critics are yelling at Jesus, you're not so great. You're not who you say you are. You're nothing. And they're wrong. But the rest of the people followed him. They're listening and they're following along. That's why on the cross, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. What did he say? They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand. They're wrong and they're just following these people who are leading the way. Jesus loved these people and they're killing him and they couldn't see it. They couldn't see that he's actually loving them and they're killing him. The thought hit me as I was reflecting on this. Jesus was being told who he was by people who didn't know who they were. Think about that. He's being told who he was by people who didn't know who they were. Would you listen to somebody who's telling you who you are if they don't even know who they are? Today is the day we reflect on the story of Jesus, his death, his resurrection. It's the defining story in all creation. You can, you can take every story in history, right? This is the story. The cross is everything for those who believe in Jesus. And if you haven't heard the story before, I'm going to kind of try and summarize really quickly, really quickly, ready? So it goes like this in the beginning. Don't worry, I'm not going to be long. God created art. He created the heavens and the earth, and he said it was good. He created people. He created us. He created all of this, and he said it's good. And God says, I want to be in relationship with people. So I'm going to give them a perfect world. Eden. It's awesome. You don't need anything. Temperature's always just right. Food is just right. Just your body's work. Not, no, no arthritis. No headaches. No shoulder pain. Right? There's no Yankees getting hurt left and right. right? It's just none of that. They're all okay. Right? It was perfect life. And you know what, people? It wasn't enough. He said, there's just one thing, just, just leave that tree alone, but everything else is good for you. And they said, you know, I want more. And they messed it all up. And they created separation between us and God because the people didn't follow the one thing God said. He said, listen, I want you to love me, but you have to choose to love me. So I'm going to put one thing there. Why did he put that there? Because love has to, there has to be an option not to love in order for it to be love. Make sense? If I got no option, then there's no love in it. It's got to be a choice. We said, I give you a choice. Just choose to love me. And they say, you know what? I'm going to go. I just want the thing. And so they, they blow it. Separation between us and God. It's called sin. Welcome to arthritis. All right? Welcome to Yankees going down. That's what happens. It's all because of Adam and Eve. I blame them. Absolutely blame them. But God still loved us. So he says, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and fix this. I'm going to give you a covenant. I'm going to give you just, here's, here's, some, listen, here's some ways that you can know me now. This way, if you follow this, we can stay in relationship. Even though, you're, even though you're just messed up, I can still be in relationship with you. Just follow this covenant. And you know what the people did? They took the covenant, which was supposed to develop a relationship with them and God, and they turned it into a religion. They were going to follow the rules. They going to be all about the rules, and we're going to forget the God who is the intent of the rules. And so once again... People blow it and abandon the relationship. 
But God still loves. So he says, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a promise to you. I'll make a promise to you that I'm going to, I'm going to come to you myself. I'm going to make it right. He says, I'm going to, I'm going to send my son. And see, because we mess up, we owe. Like if I, if I take something from you, I owe. If I walked up to you and I just took your wallet, right? I owe you. I did something wrong to you. I owe you your wallet back. But what if you say, listen, I forgive you. Right? And there was like, let's say there was like 100 bucks in your wallet and I spent it. Like I bought a lot of donuts. Right? Uh, I'm say, and you go, you know what? I forgive you, Dan. I forgive you. Guess what? I don't owe you $100 anymore because you just said I forgive you. But guess what? You're still out 100 bucks. So in forgiveness, what you're saying is not only do you not owe me anymore, but I will assume your debt. I will pay what you owe. Forgiveness is costly. It's not free. It's not just words. It's not just saying I forgive you. It's also saying I release you from debt and I assume and I will pay your debt. I will pay what you owe. And that's what Jesus came to do. He says, hey, listen, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to come and you owe a debt. And here's the cost. It's your life. You owe your life. But you know what? I'm going to release you from that. You don't owe that anymore. I'm going to pay it. I'm going to assume the cost that was not mine, it's yours, but I will, I will inherit it. And I will take on. And so what he did is he died for all of us. And he paid what we owed. And we don't owe anymore. Because he loves us so much, he just wants to be in relationship with us. That's what the cross is about. Right? He came to do what we couldn't do. That's why when he resurrected, listen, we're, we don't owe anymore. He sealed it. It's done. It's over. But here's the thing. He still continues to leave a choice because it's got to be love on our part too. I'm not going to force you to do this. You've got to choose to love me. Right? I, I love you. And I want to love you so much that you want to love me back. But I'm not going to make you love me back. That's why every single person in this room has a choice right now. You can sit here and walk out of here today and be like, man, so glad I got into church. I feel good. I'm done. I'm not going back there. Right? God, whatever. You know, I'm going to go do my life. You have that freedom. You don't have to listen to a thing I say. Some of you aren't even listening now, and that's okay. If you're sleeping, hey, take a good nap. It's all good. I don't take it personally. You maybe needed it. Had a late night. I don't know. A lot of Easter eggs, you know. But God gives us a choice. He says, listen, the only thing I want to do is I want to love you so much that you want to love me back. But there's no have to. There's no have to. See, this is the story of all stories. This is, what do you call an artist's greatest work? You call it a masterpiece. You call it a masterpiece. It's the crowning achievement in an artist's life. Of everything they've ever created, this stands out above all. You know, we've got famous masterpieces all over humanity, right? The Taj Mahal, Van Gogh's Starry Nights, Beethoven's Fifth and Ninth Symphonies, right? I mean, famous masterpieces like Yankee Stadium, like my wife's spaghetti and meatballs, you know, masterpieces. I mean, really good stuff, right? Cider donuts from Tershune's Orchards, masterpieces. God's got some masterpieces too, right? We've got Himalayas, Grand Canyon, Great Barrier Reef, Tides. It's pretty impressive. Gravity is a cool thing. DNA is pretty cool. If you haven't seen that, check that out. You know, 
May this thing called the sun, moon, and stars, universe, Milky Way, you know, we, we just got a picture of a black hole, you know, satellites are sending back some pretty cool stuff. So the question is, what's the crowning achievement of God? What is his masterpiece? Of all creation, what would you say is his masterpiece? What was the thing God would point to and say, that? That's my best thing. Like, would it, would it be the sun? Would it be the solar system? Would it be, you know, the brain? Some of you, some of you, some of you, the brain. Would it be, right, like, I don't know, chocolate eclairs? Like, what's, what's the thing that God says, this is my crowning achievement, right? Jesus, right? That's the Sunday school answer. Come on, Jesus, you know the answer. It's Jesus. Absolutely, it's Jesus. Um, what could be more masterful than Jesus? I mean, seriously, virgin birth, miracles, guy walked on water, healed people, came back from the dead. Kind of a big deal. Like, could God do better than that? I don't know. I mean, really. Could he do anything better than that? And then I came across this verse in Ephesians written by Paul. It says this, For for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Sorry, what? Like, what's the masterpiece? Or actually, who? Who's the masterpiece? You. It's you. Me. Come on. Listen, I've seen the Grand Canyon. It's pretty cool. I've seen a lot of things in this world. I've seen some pictures. It's pretty cool. I've heard all about Jesus. I've spent a life studying Jesus. Come on. Considering everything God has made, he's going to say that we are his masterpiece. More than all creation. Made me think about it for a minute. And here's the thing I want to share with you this morning. The greatest work God will ever do is you realizing he loves you. Everything God has ever done in all creation, every mountain he's made, every leaf, every sun. I'm mowing the lawn this week and I felt a breeze. You know when you're mowing the lawn, some of you ever mow the lawn or you're outside, you're hot and you get a cool breeze. You go, oh, that feels good. It was just a little reminder. God just saying, I love you. It's just little things. You can begin to appreciate all creation is God's constant message to you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. But the masterpiece doesn't happen until we get it. The masterpiece is not just us as we are as humans. Because I know some pretty cranky humans. That's not the masterpiece. It's not us. It's not anything about us. It's when we understand that we're loved. When you understand that you're loved, that's the moment God goes, masterpiece. Masterpiece. I'm telling you, the greatest work of creation, there's no story, no song, no work. There's nothing more beautiful to any eye than when you realize that you are loved by God. You waking up to God's love is his masterpiece. I'm pretty sure the critics are going to tell you that masterpiece people are those who have the most money, the most power, the best bodies, right? the best jobs, the most influence, the most followers, the most likes. I'm telling you, he's going to, that's what the critics are telling us, right? Those, those are the masterpieces of people. Everybody else is just average, ordinary, nothing special. People with problems, people with fears, right? people with 
People who fail, who struggle to do what they should, let me tell you, you're not masterpieces. Masterpieces are those, are those pretty people we put up there, right? I'll tell you who the masterpieces are. It's people we celebrate all the time. That's what the critics are telling us, and that's what a world is following. They are listening to critics who tell them this is what's important. And let me tell you, God is saying something different. He's saying that every single one of you has the potential to be a masterpiece only when you realize you are loved. That's it. Listen, you may not know me today. Perhaps you've never even been here. You have no idea anything about me. But I'm going to ask for permission to say one thing to you. And it's this, and you can choose to take it or leave it, but this, don't let people who have no idea who you are tell you who you are. Refuse to let anybody tell you who you are who doesn't even know who they are. The God who made you and me and everyone else. The greatest artist the universe has ever known is abundantly clear. You are his beloved masterpiece. Let me tell you, your picture's on his mantle. It's in his wallet. See the background on his phone? He's a masterpiece. It's you. It's you. You're his crowning achievement and his joy. You're not measured by how much good you do, by how much you have by what you look like, by how put together you are, by how much you've got life figured out, that's not what makes you a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece when you realize that you are loved. End of story. There's got to be more to it. No, there's not. I've read it. I've got a degree in it. God said it. You are his masterpieces. There's no qualifiers after it. When you do this or if you do this, just when you realize that he loves you. That's what it takes. You might be sitting here going, man, that can't be it because I didn't do anything to be considered that. I didn't earn it. I can't take credit for it. And let me tell you, you're absolutely right. No, you can't take credit for it. Actually, in, in Ephesians, just prior to that verse, the Apostle Paul says this, God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, what were you? You were dead. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Who gave us life? He did. So you were dead. He gave life. All right, it's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. He gave you a seat in heaven. Where were you? You were dead. Seat in heaven because you are united with Christ. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. My favorite part here. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it. Do you understand? It's not a reward. You didn't earn it. Don't deserve it. Right, we can sing the song right now. It's all about God. You can't take credit for any of it. He did it all. Every stroke. Every open door, every prompting, every messenger, every time God sends something to tell you that he loves you, it was all God, it wasn't you. He's constantly sending the message. It's just painting this masterpiece to say, I love you, I love you, I want you to know it's, it's him, it's all him, it's not us. But please don't miss this. We can hear that and choose to put ourselves down and say, I'm not really a masterpiece because I didn't do anything. We've got some sort of broken mind that lets us think that we have to earn it. 
They've got to somehow deserve to be special. Just because you didn't do anything doesn't mean you aren't something. You are part of the greatest masterpiece in history. Here's the reality. Without you, there is no masterpiece of God. God could have a whole world filled with people who have no idea who He is and there's no masterpiece. He says, my masterpiece. James tells us that out of all creation, that you are His prized possession. Out of everything, He says, the masterpiece is you finally hearing the message that He loves you, that He's been sending since the day He began to create. That's the whole point of His artwork. And when a master finishes their masterpiece, you know what they do? They hide it under a a towel and they leave it in the corner. No, they, they display it for the world to see. They put it on display. They, they have exhibits at the Franklin Institute where you can go and you know, hang out with Spider-Man. The purpose of any artwork is to reveal the heart of the master. They want the world to see and hear and feel who they are through their creation. You were created. Here's your purpose. I told you what you are. You are loved. And here's your purpose. You were created so that the rest of the world can know that they are loved through the way that you're loved. That's why God has put you here. When you know you are loved, you display the love of God to the world. Ephesians 2.7 says this. God wants to point to you in all future generations and say, hey, see that person over there? See that one? See that masterpiece? I love her. She's beautiful. And I love you like that. See that young man over there? Even messed up as he is, I love him. And I love you like that. John fifteen thirteen records the words of Jesus. He said, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for their friends. You want a display of love? It's what Jesus did on the cross. This is a celebration of the most loving day in history the loudest proclamation of God. He put Jesus on display. It's on a cross. Oh, we're like, oh man, that's brutal. That's violent. It's tragic. It's painful. And the answer is yes, of course it is. Sometimes art looks that way. It's rough and it's hard to look at. But the message, don't miss the message of the cross. In it is love. Because He did it for you. There's people all around that cross who had no idea. They couldn't see what was happening. We've got the benefit of time. To look back and reflect. And the, the gift for us is that that was a display of love unlike the world had ever seen before. It was yet another message from God to tell you, I love you. I love you. So what? So what? I'm going to walk out of here. Got to hurry up and get to brunch. Can you see the love in Jesus? That's a question that only you can answer. Can you see love in Jesus? Perhaps today's the day you see it for the first time. You say, you know what, I've never actually felt like God loved me. But today, maybe is a day where something new happens. Love like that does a lot of things. When you find out that you're actually loved without condition, it heals. Because there are parts in us that are broken from being told that we had to earn our way. 
There are places of brokenness in you that only love like that can heal. There There are things that have been taken from us that only love like that can restore. There's joy that's been taken from us. There's peace that's been taken from us. There's self-worth that's been taken from you. There are hopes and dreams that have been taken from you. Some of you have had so much taken from you by a world that tells you what you're supposed to be. You've got no hope anymore. You've got no self, self-value anymore. You don't think you're anything. I'm telling you, God tells you that you are everything to Him. It has nothing to do with what you've done. Love like that empowers us. I've shared this before, but loved people love people best. Loved people love people best. When you know you're loved, you know what it does? Is it frees you to actually love others. God boils the whole Scriptures down and says, if you could take the entire Bible and boil it down to one thing, what is it? He says this, love God and love others as you love yourself. If you don't know that you're loved, you can't love others and you can't love God. You are loved. It heals and restores and empowers us. So is today the day you're going to stop listening to people who have no idea who you are tell you who you are? They don't know you. Odds are they don't even know themselves. In a moment, I'm going to pray. I'm going to give you the opportunity today if you'd like to. No pressure, but if you'd like to. I want to welcome you to start something new today. God doesn't want you to say, hey, I, I need to get a belt so that I can say I'm a Christian now and have a big belt buckle that says, you know, with a cross on it. Or I need to start wearing a big, you know, thing and I need to wear those cheesy Christian t-shirts and start watching those, those Christian movies and I need to start listening to all sorts of music and only... Li-. No, no, that's, that's not what this is about. God just says, hey, will you want to be in a relationship? Would you like to actually know the God who made all things? Because He wants to know you. If you don't have that relationship today, I want to give you an opportunity to start that in a moment. You don't have to respond because he's not going to force anyone to accept, accept his love. But here's the great news. right? We get to. We get to. In all the world, there is nothing so remarkable, so extraordinary, like the unconditional love of God for you. The story of Jesus doesn't end with resurrection. It's just an open door to discover who you really are. So today, will you take a step of faith? Will you trust that Jesus is who he says he is? And that you are who he says you are? Let's pray. Would you just bow your heads with me? We pray. I'm going to invite the choir to come on up here and just prepare. Jesus, there are some in this room right now who have been searching their whole life trying to discover who they really are. Lord, you left heaven to show us You came to this earth and you gave your life so there would be no doubt that we are loved. And not because we earned it, but simply because you give it. Lord, it's your masterpiece. You've created us to display your love to the world. And as we're praying this morning, if you are here today, and you're ready to start a new chapter in your life to mark a new day, To say, this is the day I stop listening to people tell me who I am. And to accept that I am who God says I am. Would you simply raise your hand and say, that's me. I'm loved.
want to give you an opportunity. Give that hand. Anybody else? See those hands. God, you see our hands. Please heal. Restore. Once again, would you create a masterpiece among us? Lord, let us know of your love. Or there are some here, you've been knocking on their door for a long time trying to get their attention. Let them know how much you love them. Let today be that day when your love breaks through. And if you're here today and you've discovered the love of God before, but you want to you invite God to point to you, say, God, help others see your love in me. God, would you point to me? Reveal your love to the world through me today. Would you just raise your hand and say, God, that's me. I want you to use me to point to. I look around and see our hands. Would you use us today? Help the world to know that we are loved. It's going to close today and then the choir is going to sing. I'm going to close with a benediction from Paul. It says this, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner inner strength through his spirit. And Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. All glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit us at wearelifetree.com or on Facebook and Instagram at wearelifetree.